Yeah, I tell my daughter all, that all the time. I say, make sure everybody in your school knows that I can fuck every single one of their parents up if I have to. <laughs> What is up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. This is the Scoped Exposure Podcast. Um, you know, for all the video uh, people that are watching this, you might notice a, a bit of a different background. And this is the first real like interview uh, episode that I've done since moving back to Alberta. And I'm very excited to be back. Um, there's been a lot of just like, you know, anyone that moves across the country or, or has done a long distance move knows that it's a grueling process, multiple weeks of just living out of boxes and being like, where the fuck did I pack this thing? Um, but we got a bit of a setup ready to go. Um, I'm really excited uh, to have it all ready for this uh, interview today. Um, I've I've had the pleasure of meeting a lot of like really cool people uh, from Detroit specifically. Uh, I the people that first come to mind are bands like Annie Up, Enemy of God, Big Deal. Um, we recently had Will from Neverending Game on the show, and a band that has always been in my on my radar, but um, I'm really excited to dig into the into the the lore behind a little bit more is um, who we're going to be talking to today. Uh, so Camden of D Block joins us on the Scoped Exposure podcast. What's good, Mister Good? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to have you on. Um, I think like the first time I actually heard about you guys um, was when. You guys did that very short run with uh, Friends of Scoped, uh, Rust, and Plead um, back oh, yeah. a little while yep. ago. Um, so I was definitely like, who is this band that has a letter and then a, you know something attached <laughs> to it? And then I think over this past year, like I've just seen you guys just like pop up on people's like algorithms and, and feeds a lot more. And then obviously like just with this newest release, I was just really, really vibing. And when you reached out to to maybe do an interview, I was like, hell yeah, we got to do it. Um, Camden, before we talk any more hardcore things, we got to check a Bev, obviously. So uh, tell, tell the folks at, at, at home what you're stepping on for the episode. Okay, so it took me a while to figure something out. I kind of went back and forth from a few different things. But uh, eventually I settled down a Detroit staple. And uh, with it being starting to get colder here, uh, I chose... Fago Red Pop. It, oh, uh, it tastes nice. like summer. There's <laughs> there's something about it. As soon as you smell it, taste it. For me, it reminds mm. me of childhood and 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 my summer. Right. So you're trying to skip uh, winter and spring and yeah. go straight to summer for next year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was picking up batteries uh, for the audio recorder, and and someone I guess was uh, like there was just like you know when you overhear a conversation unintentionally but someone was i guess wearing like shorts and they're like we're just trying to like we're trying to skip winter and go straight to spring so it's like yeah very you know and i'm definitely not the uh the shorts all year guy but i was dropping my kids off one day the other day and wearing shorts because i go to the gym right after i drop them off of course yeah and i got the whole oh you're a michigan shorter 
<laughs> and I've never been more offended in my whole life. You're like, you got me pegged totally wrong here. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that guy. Yeah. But I, I feel like everyone like knows that one person that they that went to high school that like just wore shorts all year. Oh around. yeah. And and, yeah. and not like people that live in California or places where it's sunny all year round. It's like this is people that like it would be, you know, just like winter like domination and they're like still rocking like some adidas shorts right yeah it takes a certain else. asshole to do that <laughs> absolutely um, you know growing up we had a guy that would walk to school every single day it would be snowing and as soon as school let out he'd take his shirt off and and, <laughs> and walk probably like three miles that just pisses me off <laughs> yeah like, it sucks he's an idiot yeah i'm cold like just sign up to what everyone else is uh subscribed to right now right absolutely um, Bevwise for me, um, just having uh, morning coffee from a local coffee spot here. And uh, since I'm at the tail end of that, um, you know, mentioning some of the move stuff that I've been up to, um, I definitely had a lot of liquid death that's been sitting in storage for a long time. And I kind of forgot about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I got like like multiple dozens of cases to go through. So I'm drinking one of those as well. Um, Hell yeah. But uh, came to. Cheers to you, bud. Really excited to finally do this episode. Cheers. Might be the first time anyone's checked a, a, a Fuego uh, on, on the pot. It's not just for juggalos. <laughs> um, so I uh, came to when it comes to like someone who's like kind of newer on our show specifically. I know like you yeah. did uh, an episode with Terrazone that I was listening to earlier today, but I like to get a little bit of lore about like how people just discover hardcore in general um i right. think i think we're both in the uh well i know we're both in the 30 year old category i think you have a few years on me so um <laughs> yeah. talk to me about like when you were first discovering hardcore i know that you've moved around a lot in your life as well right. so i'm curious on how that's played a part in uh getting you on the path that you're on so yeah tell me about your first kind of uh experience with uh with the core so my big i, I don't know year wise it's 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 kind of ambiguous right like probably late 90s uh, i'm 37 years old so i'm a little bit uh, on the on the upper echelon of 30 and uh i've got an older brother who was into like uh skate punk fat rex type stuff mm. and we had a cousin that would uh he'd come to christmas with like a mohawk and stuff and everybody would would fuck with him a little bit and it would he would always grab our cd books and flip through them and be like this is cool this sucks. This sucks. And so it was always kind of a competition to see between me and my brother who could uh, impress him more by uh, by what we had. And my older brother went like more punk. I went more new metal. Mm. And then through like hanging out with him and skateboarding and stuff with him, new metal met punk right in the middle at probably like I don't know, Satisfaction or like uh, Kings of Crime by Scarhead. It was just like the perfect melt of the two. And then it's kind of been nonstop since then. Right. So, um, so you, did you originally, uh, you grew up in, um, uh, it starts with a D and it sounds yeah. like, um, the, I, 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 I've been doing our, we've been doing our yearly watch of all of the office. So it's Dundee. I think you're Dundee. From? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's about 40 minutes South of Detroit. Right. So, you know, when you were starting to, to go to stuff there, what was the connection point from like, um, 
first hearing the records and then going to see like a local show or a band in concert? So my older brother had started going to shows in Toledo. So from where I grew up, Toledo, Ohio is like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes away. So he started going to shows there. And at the time I was probably in like, I think he was just got his license. So I was probably in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of weird with my parents. They didn't know anything about it. And there wasn't like this big, massive eye on what hardcore is or what punk is that there is today, you know? Right. So they couldn't just YouTube something and see what we were going to. So they see these bars and stuff that my older brother was going to at 16 and like the sketchy parts of Toledo. And they're like, no way is, is <laughs> our, our, you know, 12, 13 year old son going with him. Right. But eventually there was like, uh, uh, I think it was less than Jake was headlining and there's like three other bands and then newfound glory was opening, mm. uh, at the time on newfound glory. And, uh, oh, they had so, a, uh, before yeah. they dropped it. Oh, interesting. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I've got like t-shirts that say a newfound glory on them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I went to that with him and it was kind of, I made it back alive. And then it was kind of, my parents just trusted us to, to go down there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until about, I don't know, sophomore year or well, not probably not sophomore year, probably junior year of high school that the Detroit scene even was a thing for us to go to, uh, which probably would have been like 2002, 2001, something like that. Mm. So um, talk to me about like getting, so you start to go to some of these shows, you kind of get like the itch. Um, did you start playing in bands immediately or did that come like later in life for you? So when I was like, uh, I don't know, 14, something like that, I bought a bass guitar cause it seemed like the obvious, um, I'm a caveman, four strings easier than six strings. Sure. Uh, so I started playing in like uh, a pop punk cover band, uh, and we did stupid songs, you know, we did like Neil Diamond, Cherry Cherry and like. <laughs> And we'd play like the, we had like a pig roast at our school where it's like a big, huge barbecue that everybody kind of hangs out at. And like, if I could look at it now, it's probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. But like <laughs> we played, we played like five cover songs in my older brother's band who was actually wrote their own songs and doing halfway decent at the time. Uh, they played after us. And then I figured out pretty shortly into uh, trying to start like a metalcore band with my older brother that I, I I can't play the bass very well. So then it just kind of happened that I fell into singing in that band. And that band did absolutely nothing. We played like maybe four or five okay shows. We played with like uh, Dead to Fall and uh, Chiodos and a couple oh. of those kind of bands. Wow. Uh, this is like pre-Chiodos doing anything. Right. So it's not, <laughs> not like this huge thing we did. Right. Uh, but then... Shortly after that, I, I ended up moving away, uh, joining the military, going down to North Carolina. And then it was kind of the work was was all I was there for. Mm. Uh, I was going to shows, still doing all that stuff. But I played in a couple bands here and there that played local shows. But this is really whenever anybody asks, this is the first like serious thing I've ever done. Mm. Yeah. And and like uh, you, you were mentioning you got to like do a couple of like local things when you were down in North Carolina yeah. or was it like, like, like strictly like I'm just here kind of for, for work stuff. Like you were saying, no, we did. I mean, I was down there for like eight years, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, eventually, you know, when I, so I, 
I'm an air traffic controller. Yeah. Uh, so when you get there, it's strictly like you're here to learn. You know what I mean? You're here to do this job. This is what you breathe for for the year or whatever until you gain ratings and stuff like that. Mm. So when I first got down there, I didn't know anybody. I ended up meeting somebody through. Excuse me. You're good. There's a girl that lived down there that was friends with a kid I worked with. Mm. And she happened to be friends with somebody that was big into like the Wilmington, North Carolina hardcore scene. And I wore like a terror sweatshirt or something. And then she's like, Oh, my boyfriend knows terror. And so I got to know him and then I got to know everybody down there. So that kind of springboarded me into where shows are and stuff down there. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy how like there's infinite amounts of stories off of like, I just wore this one shirt this day and that connected right. to the person that, you know, like th this is like, as Maybe this is like very adult sounding, but I um, I was at the doctor's yesterday getting an iron infusion because I'm iron deficient and sure. some dude wearing like a Testament shirt is walking by me. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, because it's at least like we're we're somewhat on the same wavelength at, right, at the very right. least. And I was wearing a, a speed shirt and he like stopped and he was like, what? is that what is what is that and then i was like oh like speed it's like this great band from australia like i'm like you might like them like you you kind of know yeah. it. and and so you know it's just enough of like a conversation starter at the very least so you know when when i got out of military i needed a job or whatever so i started working at best buy uh you know coming from working a, a pretty prestigious job in the military into working at best buy nothing against best buy but like i was up here and then ha having to take what i felt was a a worse job just to get some cash until i got a new job and they tell you there they're like make a connection with the people you know what i mean if you see somebody uh and they're wearing a shirt talk to them about it so this is one of the most i don't know it's probably not that embarrassing but to me it was embarrassing at the time this uh middle-aged woman came in and she had a citizen shirt on Mm. this is in Toledo. So it's not like, uh, abnormal to see that. Right. So I, so I said, Hey, like, I, I like your shirt. You know, I'm, I'm good friends with their singer, Matt. Mm. And she said, Oh, uh, my sons play in that band. And I'm like, Oh, who are who are your, who are your sons? It was Eric and Nick Ham's mom oh, uh, wow. who, who so was good friends with my, my wife. And so she's like, Oh, what's your name? I'm like, Oh, I'm Camden. And she's like, Oh, I know your wife we love your wife. And I'm like, I went from like, Oh, I'm just kind of talking to this lady to like, now she thinks that, <laughs> that my wife's husband just works at Best Buy. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, there's more to it than that. Right, and I can't right. like explain it to her. And mm -hmm. so I, I fairly, very rarely will approach somebody on a shirt anymore. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> unless it's like, I feel like unless it's something that's so obscure, like how do you know about this band? Like, you know, like you right. kind of feel, at least for me, when I was first getting into it, I would always get like a little obsessed on like finding something that was like very, very niche. But then when I would yeah. find someone else who also, you know, rep the shirt at a fest, I'm like, how do you know about this band from Manchester? Right. Or how do you know about this band? So, um, but yeah, sometimes it's like when it's more, I guess like a bigger name act that's in a, in the wild, like you kind of have to like flip a coin, whether you're going to gamble that at times. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. Cause you know, you know, there's, there's a lot of life that you've lived obviously, but like, I want to kind of get to the point of like, 
um, when D block is starting. Um, yeah. You know, so talk to me about like the initial idea of like that. Were there any like, I guess, thoughts just because you're getting later in life and you have kids, you're like, are we going to do this really, really seriously? Or is it just kind of be like for shits and gigs on the weekends? Talk yeah. To me about that. Yeah. So we, uh, I want to say it pro- the idea probably started, I was in Europe with Annie up and I was just kind of going over, like talking to some of those guys like, Oh, this is something I think we could do, you know? And then everybody's busy. It kind of goes away. Uh, then it kind of, it stayed in my head. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, I could do this. I can do this. I can do this. But then finding people that, cause like you said, for me moving around a lot, there's people that know me from this part of my life, this part of my life, that part of my life. And I moved away from here at 21 years old. So when I moved away in 07, none of the, I won't say none of, but most of the people that are involved in bands today were like in middle school, you know? So coming back here and trying to find people to start a band with was kind of like, it's never going to happen. I mean, we approach everybody you can think of to do the band. Uh, It is funny. It's kind of running joke of how many people turned it down. You know what I mean? Like uh, we had uh, our, so our original drummer, I'm very like, I don't want to call it, I don't know if it's pride, what it is, but like, I'm not the guy that can just like go up and be like, Hey, do you want to do a band with me? Do you want to do a band with me? specifically because I'm going to do vocals in the band, right? Like if I played guitar, it'd be easy for me to be like, Hey, I'm starting this band. I have these ideas. Let's go with it. Mm -hmm. It's me relatively no, you know, resume saying, Hey, I want to do this band. Will you write stuff for me? Yeah. It becomes more of like the, not like you're hiring someone for the job. You're kind of, it's, it's almost similar of like, I have this like startup idea, but I need people to like fill the seats and, and do some work behind it. Um, yeah. Which is like, you know, I've been on both sides of the coin and sometimes it works, but I, I understand how that could be daunting at times to be like, yeah. And plus, like posting, like say you post on Facebook and you're like, hey, I'm trying to start a band in the vein of this. Like, who wants to play? And then nobody replies. That like kills me. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> right. now everybody we've knows seen, I'm a we've loser. all seen that, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not that guy. But the guy that was originally playing drums for us is that guy. Mm. He has no, I don't know if it's it's some form of like autism or or Asperger's <laughs> or something, but he like would post daily. I'm starting this band. Who who wants to play in it? And nobody would reply. He messaged everybody. I mean, you, he messaged Joe Plonky. He messaged everybody from every band you can think of in Detroit to be like, hey, do you want to do this band? Mm-hmm. But again, if you say, hey, it's this guy that hasn't lived here in, in 15 years and me, nobody's, nobody's signing up. <laughs> right. Yeah, so and that becomes we, like uh, when you start to go down the list and, you know, people are like, right. hey, like I, I got too much on my play. I, I don't know if it's my vibe. And then you start to run out of the names. You're like, fuck, am I going to have like, yeah. how, like it's dip into other states to like ask people to do this? Like, absolutely. Like, and that kind of was how it started. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a band from St. Louis called The Death and a Promise that one of my old bands toured with. And their guitar player was going to start playing me and him wrote some stuff uh, that never went anywhere. But then we had this kid, we had a couple of people try come to practices 
and would play for a little bit and then just never answer another message. Right. Uh, but eventually we had a kid come, his name was Anthony, and he he didn't have any gear though. He had like an Epiphone uh, Les Paul that he dropped on the floor the first day of practice and broke the tuning forks off. Uh, and he had a practice amp, like a, I don't know, like a 110, 25 watt practice amp. And we would sit there and we'd, we'd mess around with stuff. So by the time we actually went into the studio to record the first EP, we had never played those songs before. Mm. Like we played them obviously, but like never heard them. Cause you can't hear a 10, uh, 25 watt amp over a full drum set. Right. And I'm definitely not doing vocals over <laughs> a, a tiny little, little amp, you know? Yeah. So going in, I had no clue how any of those songs were going to sound. Uh, I, I, the guitars were so bad in there. Cause like I said, his tuning forks were all broke off of his guitar uh, that Matt from Citizen ended up re-recording all the guitars, all the bass, <laughs> everything for it. So it's him playing on the record, uh, not oh. the guy that was playing guitar. Gotcha. Uh, but the day that that kid walked out of the studio after recording his parts, I'm telling you probably like on the road, he texts me. I was like, Hey man, I can't do the band anymore. So now we have a uh, uh, five song EP demo, whatever you want to call it that we're going to put out, but nothing. <laughs> no line, you know no I mean? complete no lineup. Yeah. 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 We've got a bass player, a drummer and, and, and me. So luckily uh, Rich, who's our guitar player now, has been a friend of mine for since before I left for the military. Mm. Uh, and he was at the time playing in Annie up and he had just uh, quit playing for them. And I had sent him the the recordings and he was like, yo, these are really good, but there's some things if I was in the band, I would change. He's like, but I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel comfortable like telling you what I would change. And I'm like, well, why don't you just join the band and, and you could change whatever you want. And so he's like, okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so he he joined the band and then our bass player at the time, I don't know if he realized like we're kind of above his, <laughs> his, his skill level. You know what I mean? Like I, he was just kind of bowed out gracefully, we're still good friends with them. But he, uh, he was like, I don't think this is for me anymore. And then luckily we got Matt to come play our Matt Slawick, our bass player now came in right away filled in awesome playing guitar then we went in recorded the second record and then right after the second record's done we played maybe two shows and then uh parted ways with that drummer uh for several several <laughs> different reasons most of them being the uh no pride stuff you know what i mean like he would just openly talk about anything and everything mm. and i was like okay man we we it's not working out. Uh, and then we got this guy, Austin, who played in, he sings in that band Normal. Oh, They're okay. kind of like a, a shoegaze indie type band. Uh, but at the time he was playing in like five other bands. So it kind of seemed like, nah, I don't know if he'll actually do it or if he'll stick around or maybe just play a couple shows. Yeah. And then uh, our guitar player, Lyric, who plays bass in Enemy of God, uh, they joined the band and it just kind of, it was like the first time that it felt like an actual whole thing. Right. And, and that can be like, like I'm speaking from experience as well. Cause like my own band and game, like we've gone through the ringer of different um, members and it's never been, I, I would say 90% of the time it's, it's always been like mutual, just 
people have other things going on in their lives. Things with the band just got a little bit busier. Right. Um, and nothing aside from maybe like one instance was like, this dude sucks. He shouldn't be in the band anymore. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like in the midst of transition, it can feel sometimes both exciting and like, fucker like you know it's it's no different than if you're running a business and like one person quits and then you're worried about like the other people like kind of getting kind of in a not like we're gonna push through kind of mindset like oh fuck like what do we do is that kind of it um but you know sometimes when you do have that i guess new idea of someone else entering and bringing in a, a a breath of fresh air that can really go a long way and that's like literally oh yeah in the mix of, of what I'm up to. Um, but kind of fast forwarding a bit now, I guess like a more general question I had to ask is like, you know, I think when a, a band like D block, for example, is like, I've, I've looked at a lot of articles or people talk about you as like, you know, one of the, the one of the, the new up and coming acts in, uh, in the Detroit scene. And I'm just kind of curious on, on someone who's like, you know, obviously a lot older in life where it's like, you know, being you know when you hear up and coming you think of people in their you know in their teen years and stuff like that so i'm kind of curious if that's like kind of a a, when you hear that it's like i've like i've been around but you know it's just like i've had other things going on in my life or is that something that you just like you know the accolades is is cool by you and you just rock with it yeah it's a it's a little of both so i remember we played very early on in in the band with uh pain of truth on their first tour and I remember talking to Zach and he was like, we're, we're kind of the same age. Right. And I'm like, ah, I don't think so, man. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, I'm a little bit older. You're like uh, plus 10 maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I take it as kind of like a compliment, right? Cause maybe it means I don't look like an old man. I don't act like an old man. Uh, but I mean, we are a new band. We do have young people in the band. Uh, I, I mean, we range, right? Like I'm 37. I think Rich is 36. Matt is 32. And then Austin and Lyric are in their early mid twenties. Mm. So there is a, is a, 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 an eclectic group of ages there. Uh, but no, I don't, I mean, it's, it's weird. Like getting into like conversations with people when they say like, Oh, this band was the first one to do it here. And it's like, no, they're not <laughs> like, correct. let me explain to you this. And then I feel like, not that I'm talking down, but like, I'm like preaching to somebody that this is how it should be as opposed to how it is, you know? Right. But the good thing is, is I've, I've been around enough to see how it was in the things that I didn't like. Mm. Uh Detroit has, has historically, from my vantage point, always been uh, like a dog-eat-dog scene, right? Where you have different generations of bands. And the generation before never fucks with the generation after it. Mm. You know, there's I don't know if they, they, they feel like their legacy is being tarnished by the band coming in. But there's always been some kind of weird beef between the generational bands. Uh and then coming in as somebody that is from the generation before us or maybe two ahead of us and being with the generation in front of us, we're trying to do, and I think we're doing a pretty decent job of making sure everybody's involved, you know, supporting the younger bands, supporting the legacy acts, making sure that everybody gets their roses whenever they can. Right. Yeah. But and I, that, don't know. I feel like that, 
is, I think that's a sentiment that's probably felt in a lot of different scenes and, and, and to, yeah. to varying degrees for sure. Um, but I do think that we are kind of in an age now where like, like I, I, re- I remember when Jay from Mind Force, he's been on the show a couple times and he was always saying how like he always thought that the younger kids weren't going to fuck with the band because they were a lot older as well. Right. But, you know, and then we see, you know, bands like um, Broken Vow who are just like in, in, you know, I'm like 10 years older than a lot of those. kids, right. But they're just like making, you know, people in the 30 year old uh age bracket like mosh as hard as the 18 year old so absolutely i think it's like a very like hardcore is an interesting thing where it is important to know someone's age but that's not a deciding factor whether you're gonna like fight with them or chill with them or like connect with them at the very least right and i want to i mean i'm sure it's clear now but like i want to say it that i'm not a, a 37 year old guy that got into hardcore two weeks ago you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I, I, I've been there. I've, I've seen it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not a new guy. Yeah. Um, since we're on that topic, like you were, you were saying, you were mentioning on like things that, uh, you either didn't like about the scene or wanted to see, uh, improve or change. What do you think has been the biggest thing that you've seen? And you can either say this generally speaking or in Detroit specifically, um, what, do you think has been the best change in hardcore in the time that you've been involved? Well, people being at shows is great. <laughs> That's You good. know, uh, <laughs> there's been times where there's been insane shows it, it, pre-pandemic stuff, right? Course, and there would yeah. be four people there. You know what I mean? But now we've had, I think last year they did a 10 for 10 in Detroit. They had all local bands, uh, and it, it sold out, you know what I mean? Like the amount of support that's, that's there for a local band, as opposed to just, oh, terrors come to town, everybody come to a show. Right. I that's that's insane right now, especially here. I'm, you know, speaking strictly for Detroit, the way that everybody supports the local bands and it's incredible. So speaking of like dope shit that's happening in Detroit, obviously like tied down is something that, is just crushing it, especially in the last few years of it's happening. Um, right. The 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 festivities of this past year, like, were absolutely insane. I unfortunately didn't get the pleasure of going, but I thoroughly enjoyed a lot of like the clips and just like seeing a lot of, um, you know, of my friends being down there having an absolute blast. Um, I feel like we have to talk about the D Block Little Caesars kind of fiasco. Yeah. yeah. And what what was crazy to me is like obviously. I saw the clip when it was first posted by Sonny, but when, when I went to go watch the full set of that, I realized that that's like at the very beginning of the set. That's not like something yeah. that was like right in the middle <laughs> or at the end. So um, I don't know if we're trying to keep, uh, you know, Mr. Pizza Pizza like uh, no. anonymous, but uh, yeah, like talk to me about like the the lore behind that. So off the bat, the guy in the costume is, his name's Jimmy Glaros. He just started a record label called Top Floor Tapes. So uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, but he texts me, I don't know, maybe an hour or two before I left to go load in for the, for the uh, show. Mm. And we were talking, just joking around about sponsorships. And he works for like a Little Caesars uh, uh franchise the guy that you know buys a bunch of little caesars and stuff and they were running the little caesars food truck at the fest 
so i was like yo get us get us a little caesar sponsorship like i'll you know i'll I'll wear little whole little caesars get up you know uh just give me free pizza and uh and he's like dude do you want me to bring the suit and i'm like at first i said no you know i'm like you first said no yeah well i in my head right i never told him but i was like (laughs) i was thinking i was like i don't want to be like a gimmick band Sure. You know what I mean? That's not something. And I don't want it to. My fear was that it was going to be the whole set. Right. He said, I want to get on stage during this song. I knew we played that song first. So I'm like, I don't want him to be up there all the whole time. And then it to be like people oh, just look, making pizza jokes the whole. Set yeah. And we're the, between, we're the little yeah, Caesars yeah. band. And yeah, it's just yeah. like so eventually I was just like, fuck it. Like if you can get it, let's run it, you know, in mm-hmm. uh so he came up and was like, yeah, I, got, I got it. We're, we're, we're good to go. And honestly, like I didn't even realize he was on the stage until like after that first, whatever you want to call it, chorus, whatever. And I turned around and walked back. It was the first time I seen him on stage. Mm-hmm. And then it worked out perfect for him because he's up there. I mean, it's hot as fuck in there. And I can only imagine <laughs> if right. you're wearing this it's humongous like costume. oven temperature wise. Yeah. Yeah. So right. he ends up like after we did it, he left and and took off the costume behind the stage. And then you see him. If you watch the whole video, he's wearing a, like a D-block jersey with, I think, a red shirt underneath it. He's moshing the whole rest of the show uh, out there. Oh, but yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I yeah. understand who you're speaking of. Yeah, I saw that dude. Yeah. And like I didn't I guess I didn't realize the gravity of anything. You know, I was just like, oh, that'll be a funny like two second thing. Mm-hmm. And then like as soon as I sat down at the table, like. I seen Sonny posted the, it on his reel and we were getting tagged and tagged and tagged and tagged and stuff. And I was like, damn, like that, <laughs> that might've been the smartest decision that, that we never made. You know? <laughs> right. right. And like you saying pizza, pizza motherfucker is like one of the best things I've heard all year as well. <laughs> so I, uh, I that. definitely scripted that. Like I knew he was getting up there and I told everybody, like, I think I'm going to say this as a joke. Mm. and then i it i just i said it i don't know yeah i i feel like you probably like re uh like reinvigorated like the interest of like little caesars because like i'm pro- i'm probably one of those people that like swore by it when it was like a five dollar pe- medium yeah. pizza but then when they did 5.99 i was like mentally like fuck you because you know and <laughs> just i think sure. this was just a, a younger spencer but um I don't even know what a medium like pie at, at Little Caesars even goes for nowadays. It's probably like just with inflation, it's probably like eight or nine dollars. I yeah, if you don't get the hot and ready, it's not I don't think it's the cheapest thing. But I'm yeah. I'm a firm believer, right? Like I'm sure you've seen like the fuck around find out scale on the internet. There's a cost to like tastiness ratio of pizza mm. and like five dollars for a large little Caesars pizza is is great. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's not a good pizza. <laughs> it's a very very mid pizza right but for five dollars you're not going to get a better one yeah so, so sometimes I, you just have to accept today is a mid pizza day i mean i'm with it yeah and then you can appreciate the like knock it out of the park pizzas that you pay 20 to 25 dollars. absolutely for. yeah you can't pay 20 dollars for large pizza every time you go out yeah it's too much they uh i don't i do know for a, i mean i guess i'm gonna say i know for a fact but i don't know if this is true uh we got the amount of times we got tagged in like little Caesars posts right after that, like the weekend after that show, like I'm sure they got eh, maybe a little tiny spike 
right. in sales. <laughs> so we will take the sponsorship whenever they're ready to hand it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. It, it, it's just <laughs> like, because like my background's in like marketing and all that shit, like there's someone on the Lil Caesars social or marketing team who's like has to go through the accounts and has probably seen that clip dozens oh, of I times. Hope so. And they've been yeah. like, hey, boss, is there anything we can do with this? You're like, people are fighting on stage at this fest. Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's not going to be a good commercial for them. Yeah. And, and to my knowledge, there's not really any other cool, like, pizza mascots that would be dope to, like, to have. There's the Noid. The Noid? Yeah, I think it's Domino's, uh, the Domino's pizza mascots, the oh, Noid. okay. You got to avoid the Noid. Dog. Oh, okay. No, it's like this. I think it's Domino's, and I might be speaking out of pocket, and it might be, but I think it's Domino's. It's like a weird alien with like, oh yeah, like red bunny ears. But that was like eighties. Oh. Uh, yeah, in the eighties, and then it they revived it in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think there's video games about it too, like Sega Genesis games about them. <laughs> and then Jets has the the the, the rocket ship guy. Hmm. So there's a few. You could do a whole band of all these pizza masks. I know. We had a debate the other day at the Coldest Life show on who would win in a fight between Little Caesar or the Jets pizza guy. Mm. Is pretty pretty right down the middle split. <laughs> it was it was a very uh, polar. It was a fifty fifty. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the new D Block release. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, you guys like the Do Not Cross like. EP was really, really awesome, but I feel like this was just, like, everything... Like, sometimes you need, like, a really good release to, like, really showcase and have a layup to, like, a really great release as well. Um, and sometimes doing that back-to-back -back is very, very challenging. But um, talk to me about um, the recording aspect, what went into the writing, what, what you feel you guys want to do a little bit differently or, like, kind of dig your heels on uh, when it came to, to this next chapter for the band. Yeah, so we uh, we recorded it with Colin uh, from 19 Stars, who plays drum or played drums in Purgatory and plays bass in Days Lost. Yeah. Now, uh, we went down there, spent I think three days or something recording with him. We did everything in the first day. The rest of the other two days were just hanging out and eating food. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, it kind of I, I I don't know if there's anything really different other than so we recorded the first two records with Matt from Citizen, mm -hmm. uh, who who listens is into hardcore like i'm not gonna say he's not into hardcore or anything like that but colin is like plays in hardcore bands like does all that shit tours like that so going and working with somebody that knows that again not saying matt doesn't know that but yeah i think that added a lot uh having an uh the new drummer on this is the first recordings he's been on was great everybody knew like tonally what they wanted uh it was super painless i mean austin the drummer like one did one take for every single drum thing was in and out of drums we went to go get breakfast so me and rich the guitar player left to go get just run to mcdonald's right down the road and bring food back for everybody and by the time we got back he was almost done recording all the drums that's so fucked up <laughs> it was it was stupid uh and then everything else, everything was so fast. And we left halfway through recording it to go to a party, mm. to go to uh, our friend Matt's daughter's first birthday party and still finished everything in a day. 
probably one of the best experiences recording wise that we've ever ever had yeah it's not that i i love to romanticize about the idea of like being in an airbnb in the woods and like spending a whole week writing a bunch of music and doing all that but like i don't know i'm just at a place in my life where my time is very very stripped between a lot of different responsibilities so like i love the idea of just like crushing out a killer record like that within a a weekend and 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 some of that is like a being like prepared and not like dicking around half the time yeah. being like oh how's this part gonna go what should we do this i don't know about this fill like if you become ultra prepared you could definitely do that but like having a talented um you know engineer like colin um and he's like very meticulous when it comes to how things can be as heavy as possible um, right we Absolutely. talked a lot about that when he was on the podcast but like you know I'm a big fan of like Matt's like songwriting as well. He's been on the pod. Yeah. Um, you know, that that man can cook up some 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 oh, as well. Like Crypt. That's fucking that's, great. that's fucking Unreal. crazy. Um, but yeah, like I love the idea of just being able to like take a weekend and just, you know, eat some McDonald's and uh yeah. and put together some good good tracks. When um, that's like the only way we can do it, right? Because, I mean, I have three kids. Our bass player has three kids. We all have full-time jobs that we do. So, like, even, like, getting time to play shows is hard, yeah. let alone taking three days and being like, hey, <laughs> we're going to go stay at a hotel and and, and record. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of a hard sell, especially to somebody that has to stay home and take care of all the kids. And But, so, I mean, that was the only option for that. Right. But we have definitely kicked around the idea of like, because I, again, talking like to Matt and stuff like that about how they were, they wrote and recorded their records. And I'm like, dude, and I asked everybody in the band, I'm like, do you think it would be like good for us if we got an Airbnb somewhere in the woods and just stayed there for three or four days and just like wrote and perfected everything? And it was kind of mixed reviews. Some people like, oh, I can't write like that. Other people like, I think that would be the best thing we could do. Mm hmm. So, and it's funny because going into recording that Austin is like, uh, our drummer is very, he like, he like worries. Right. So he's like, I don't think we're ready. I don't think we're ready to record. I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I know these parts. And then goes in, like I said, in an hour and does absolutely everything first try. Mm -hmm. It's like, you were the only one that was worried. (laughs) You're the only (laughs) one that killed it. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I'm at a point now and, and I don't know if you could relate to this where it's like more about like, uh hedging or like picking out like different milestones like that and kind of just like if it happens it happens but like you know back in the day when i was like first getting into like heavy music in general it was like i wanted to do everything i wanted to tour 300 days of the year i wanted to do all these different things i would watch bands it's not that you know it's just like life gets in the way it's not it's not just about that it's just like oh maybe that's not as maybe that's just not for me specifically i right. like the idea of like being able to like go out and do that um but you know like like you said like even in my writing style i'm very much like a um a visionary when it comes to everything so like once once i'm bringing something to the table in my eyes it's it should be pretty much like already 80 to 90% done correct cuz i've spent like a hundred hours on one song specifically yeah um versus like you know and there are some times where you know you'll write a riff and in and you can just finish that song within an hour if you just have the time at a, at a jam spot right but, um yeah i don't know i i feel like 
it's uh, if you can make the time, you should definitely do it to just have that experience. Um, but you know, I think you should have have a bit, you know, ask yourself those questions. Like, do I really need to be out in the woods to make a banger record, or can I just <laughs> right. like DIY it in my bedroom in my apartment? That's yeah. cool too. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to do it. Uh, and like we going into things, we don't typically don't demo anything out aside from like a scratch guitar track on like drum machines, like simple drums, right. just to get like tempos and stuff like that. So going into any of that stuff, nobody knows how the vocal patterns go, how any of that stuff is going to go. So even like coming up with like background vocals, gang vocals, stuff like that, it was all pretty on the spot. Mm. So talk to me about like, I guess your vocal writing style. I know like in, uh, there was like a No Echo article where you're talking about uh, the, the last EP, um, you know, you, you had a quote on there that I thought was really interesting where you're saying every word that we say on the EP is a life lesson. And I would like to think that that is something that carries over to a, a new record as well versus right. like, no, this is, you know, I, I want to go back yeah. on everything I said before. So I guess I'm curious about your outlook when it comes to the lyrics that you write um, and like what, how you want to like add add that extra meaning to to the music side of things. Yeah, definitely every song that that we've written lyrically is true, right? Every single thing that I've said has happened. Uh, every person I said fuck you to on, on the record I mean, fuck you too in real life. Mm -hmm. uh, there's several situations where I don't want to say that's, it's never come back to bite me in the ass. Let's be honest with you. But like where I've thought, Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe I shouldn't be so obvious with what I'm saying. Uh, and then the kind of weird balance of keeping it specific to me and yet making it relatable to anybody else where they can go, Oh, you know, I've, I've felt that I know what it feels like to have uh, a friend or a significant other or somebody fuck you over so bad that, that this is what you, you want to do. Right. So I don't know if that answers the question or no, <laughs> or no, yeah, not, it, but... it definitely does. And like, you know, like I, I've talked about it a few times, but like I've kind of moved from uh, guitar in, in Endgame to the vocal side of things. And I've had that similar struggle where, I want it, I get like ultra specific, like right off the bat, but then I have to pull myself back and broaden yeah. it a little bit. So it's like, I, I still, I, cause you know, I love when people can be very creative about the, the disses, um, yeah. that they might want to like, um, you know, splinter into a song, but they, you know, it shouldn't just be overarching, like so obvious right. that that song is about so-and-so because like adding a little bit of mystery is kind of, you know, yeah. It's the, it's if the you same know, way of like, you know, you listen to a Taylor Swift song, you're like, oh, which ex-boyfriend is this about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you know who they're about, it's super obvious. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you know any of the story about any of the songs, it's so obvious that it's kind of, it could be uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. But I remember writing when I, when I wrote The Fixer, I was sitting at work and I was like just doodling some stuff down. And then I remember writing like a note because I still write on a notepad. And uh, I wrote like in parentheses, like you need to be more specific, like get into it. Mm. And I don't know if I did that on the song or not, but <laughs> I oh, told so, myself to do it. So yeah, so you're you're you and I are almost the opposite, where you might broaden it and then you yeah. need to narrow down a little bit. I yeah, think. I think so. At least on that song, I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think has been 
have there been any songs on, on this EP or not that have been like more challenging for you to write, or do you think that everything kind of streams together pretty naturally? So when we did the original, I don't know when we when I originally wrote the words for one of us, it was a completely different song. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything about it was different. Uh, then we had some things happen that made me go, okay, I think this needs to be addressed. And then I remember driving down home from work and listening to Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo. And I don't know what happened, but I just like put that thing on repeat. Like I'm driving, I'm going like 80 miles an hour down the highway. And my car has like uh, adaptive cruise and lane assist. So it kind of drives itself. Right. And I just repeated that song and just sat there and typed out the lyrics right there. And <laughs> within like 15 minutes, just listening to Olivia Rodrigo oh. and completely changed the song. Interesting. And I think I think for the better, because I think the new what I had in there will probably be on a different song. Gotcha. I think it came out much better than it should have. Yeah. I I I never expected Olivia Rodrigo to influence a D block track in some way. You know, that's humble, not on my big rag here. <laughs> okay. Um uh <laughs> I I may or may not be in the top one percent of Olivia Rodrigo uh listeners worldwide, according to Spotify. According so. to Spotify. Yeah. Is that on your rap this year? That is. That is. Damn. It was, I get a notification like a couple years ago. It said like you're in the top 1% of hate breed listeners. And then <laughs> this year or whatever, it was the, the top 1% of Olivia Rodrigo listeners. That, that's a huge arm span. I, 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 it's a milestone in my life. <laughs> For, I, I, I know the obvious answer of like what's more likely to happen is like Debug playing with Hatebreed maybe one day, but any hardcore band even being on Olivia Rodrigo's radar, it should be Debug for sure. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I'm yeah, just yeah. gonna start like sending her letters and uh, t-shirts in the mail and stuff. <laughs> so anybody yeah. that's lucky enough to have the name Olivia Rodrigo somewhere in the yellow pages is gonna be getting a free Debug shirt. All right, so Camden, I want to talk about you know number one, number one D Block fan, uh, your daughter Eden. Um, you know, it, it's funny you know seeing people who are, um, you know, dads of the scene, and you know they'll post uh, crazy photos from shows, and then have like the family weekend uh, on their on their feet as well. I think it's very wholesome right. to kind of see the duality of those things. Um, but on a more serious note, I am always curious because hardcore for me, you know being someone without kids, I definitely attribute a lot of the life lessons, um, the way I look at aspects of my career and how I can better myself. Um, I feel like without hardcore, I think I would be in a, a worser spot. So I'm kind of curious from your angle, if there's any, been anything that hardcore has done for you when it comes to being a father or how you've gone about parenting. Uh, you know, the, you have two kids at this point. I got three, three, you have three. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're just cooking out yeah, riffs oh, and kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, no riffs uh, and, and no more kids. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, it's definitely affected my whole life, right? So obviously everything that I do from the way my work ethic at work to how I drive my car is is affected by, by hardcore in general. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a weird balance, right, of trying to parent your kids as like a normal parent. And like somebody that was grew up in a more violent uh, subculture to where like, you know, you hear like my daughter's like, oh, so-and-so pushed me or something like that. It's like, well, punch him in the fucking head then. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, 
<laughs> society yeah, right, tends right, to say, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. It's like it's like okay, how should I act as as me versus how I should act towards my you know with my kids and the advice that I give them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's great as far as like I mean, we go on vacations all all over the place, right? And no matter where we go, there's somebody that they know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they have an uncle. If we were to go to London, they have uncles in London. They have uncle uncles everywhere. You know, so it's like it's cool on that side because there's all these different connections even with their kids now where she has friends all over the world mm-hmm. you know she's seven years old and we're we're playing tonight with pain of truth uh so right after i get done here i gotta drive uh and start getting all the stuff ready for that but i'm bringing her with me to the show oh okay and she's like she's like are because last time she came to a show i kind of made like uh this is my daughter eating kind of speech you know and she's like are you going to do that again and I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to make it different. I'm going to make it, I'm going to say that this is my daughter Eden and she's been going to shows way longer than almost everybody in this room. Uh, <laughs> and like, I went through the, <laughs> I went through the damn, uh, my Instagram finding like, dude, she, she, I mean, she went to see Citizen in Syracuse, New York, two days before she was born. She went and seen them in, in Brooklyn two months after she was born. Mm-hmm. Like, so she's been going to shows steady for for yeah. seven years you know lots of citizen just lots yeah, of those that's an easy the womb. <laughs> that's yeah that's an cool. easy one for her to go to uh yeah yeah she she still gets kind of weirded out i guess when she sees videos of people jumping on me and uh as i would assume most kids would right and, it, and it's weird too because like again it's so now hardcore it's kind of in the public guy right mm-hmm. there's no, no really hiding it so i have like She'll come home and say, oh, someone, their dad watched your video on YouTube. And then it's like, okay. So, now, you know what I mean? And like our, our lyrics aren't <laughs> super small town friendly. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> so now it's like, okay, hopefully people don't see that and go, I don't want my kid to hang out with her because her dad does this, you know? Uh, okay. So it's kind of a weird... Uh, balancing act between the two things yeah which is like yeah i've never really thought of of it that way where it's like the art that you're making and like the things that you're expressing like are like a weird it's an excuse for someone to like take this like morally high road of being like a conservative like right but for lack of a better term just to be like oh i'm you know oh so-and-so's like more in this so it's like well like a lot of like you know a lot of people who are in those spaces of being a parent like they don't find those outlets to be able to express themselves and that and that could be through anything but like there is a there you know to your credit there is a weird thing because you know some sometimes i really believe that we as a society could be a little bit better off if like if punching someone in the face wasn't just like assault at the, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. like, right. Cause like a lot of some people like, need it. Some people, Let's be honest. Like, lots of people need it. Yeah, and, like, absolutely. And, and that ranges from people in their fifties to like 13 year olds who like don't know better, who are just yeah. running their mouth on the internet. Um, but you know, we're not there as a society to like embrace <laughs> that. Um, so, you know, when hardcore, you know, maybe leans a little bit more that way, that can be off putting. Um, so right, right. that's, yeah, that's, that's an interesting struggle that, 
you know, I'm I'm sure you're not solely unique to, but is pretty unique yeah. in in the grand scheme of of well, parents. Even the like the most, I don't know. I understand like the song like ten nine nine nine, right? I understand <laughs> it. Parents not liking that, you know what I mean? Sure. But like, even if you watch like. I don't know. Let's just use the fixer as an example, right? Mm. It's not wholesome whatsoever, right? But everybody's experienced that in their life. Mm-hmm. But you could take that and, and just watch the 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 reaction of people. And no matter what I say, it's gonna be like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want <laughs> anybody around that, you know? Right. So and I can't blame anybody for for feeling that way. Yeah. But I am a good dad and I am nice. So <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I I feel like there's a lot of um, you know, people will just like judge and fear what they don't know. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a it's very important for me when there's people that I might know of through you know music or like different things. When when even if they're like huge A list celebrities, when they go on a certain podcast and it's a little bit when you actually hear aspects of people's lives, their struggles, like it kind of like right all puts us on the exact same page again. And I feel like a lot of people don't entertain the idea to at least like humble themselves to be like, Hey, maybe I don't sure. know everything about this person that just goes straight to the, the, the judgment train of it. You so. know, we've definitely had the other side of it too, where, where people that like go to school with my son will come, or their kids go to school with my son will come up and be like, Hey, we, we seen you wearing a D black shirt, like, and we went and listened to it and we really like it now. So we've had that as well. Uh, yeah, it's not all <laughs> parents hating it. Yeah, yeah. And if anything, it's like kind of cool to be like, I'm the coolest dad who's picking up the kids from school. <laughs> yeah, I tell my daughter all, that all the time. I say, make sure everybody in your school knows that I can fuck every single one of their parents up if I have to. <laughs> Let it be known yeah. from the rooftops. Um, what, in your opinion, is the best song off the Eden Punk Rock playlist on your <laughs> Spotify? Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember a whole lot on there. It's got like bad cop, bad cop on there. Right. Yeah. There, there's uh, two of those. That's tracks. great. That's great. Uh, honestly, like she has her own like actual playlist with like songs she likes. And then I, like, Oh, so this isn't like a curated from your, this might be like a shared no, thing. This is well, there, all those songs are on her actual playlist, but I started making that one first. And then I was like, ah, I don't, I let's just make one playlist instead of having to go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, her playlist, like, I'll, we, <laughs> so we played Sweatfest in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is like mm-hmm. a three hour drive from us. Uh, we drove about halfway there. Then Rich realized he forgot all his pedals. So we had to drive all the way back and then all the way back. <laughs> but I think on that whole drive, we listened to her playlist the entire time. Dang. And it, you know, it's, it's got everything. It's got, you know, I got Olivia Rodrigo on there. I, I've got songs from Sing, from every Disney movie. <laughs> it's just bangers left and right right is, is, is there any either like childhood movies that pain you that she doesn't like that are like really important to you have there been anything that it like has crushed you that she has not picked not, up at least right yet? not really uh okay. she's soup so the one that like i love Wee herman okay so like my but both my kids love Wee herman they they even like the the one from like I think is eighty four the mm-hmm. Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh they watched that one after having watched like the new one on Netflix, 
instill like that one. And my daughter's super into like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline and all that stuff. Yeah. So like that's not something I I grew up on Nightmare Before Christmas or anything like that. But it's still cool that she's like finding things on her on her own and right. But can still appreciate you know some classics. As absolutely. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, a couple other things I want to ask you about Camden. Um, what's the story behind, there's a blanket of you naked in a cowboy (laughs) hat, um, that you gave as a Christmas present. What's the story behind that? Yeah. So, so I, 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 I'm not going to say I don't still do it, but there was a year (laughs) where for every holiday, my parents are like over the top with everything holiday wise. So like they have like an Easter bunny costume and a Santa Claus costume and all of these costumes. Uh, so I thought it'd be funny if I took naked pictures of myself wearing like the Easter bunny head or the Santa Claus beard and, uh, and posting it on my stories for the holiday, you know, or sending them on as Christmas cards. Right. So the cowboy hat one was me and, and Critter from this things for Annie up. Uh, we're texting each other. We we're going to a barbecue down in Hocking Hills, Ohio. Mm. And we we're joking around about how we're going to go horseback riding. We're going to do all this stuff. And so I like went in the closet and there just happened to be like a cowboy hat and old cowboy boots. So I like put it all on real quick and then took a picture. My wife took the picture and then I sent it to him. Like, I'm only riding horses with you if this is what we look like, you know? <laughs> and uh, so that like, then if it was some one Christmas or whatever, my I'm terrible at giving gifts, right? Me and me and my wife don't uh we typically don't exchange gifts for anything. Hmm. So I like just came up with the idea. I'm like, I'm gonna go to Walmart.com and get a blanket made with that picture on it, you know. <laughs> uh, and then I ordered like a couple coffee mugs too. Uh, I gave them out to like some of my wife's friends. Hmm. Uh it it with with the picture on it or yeah yeah uh so so i can only imagine like some poor guy that works at walmart photo getting this this email with all these pictures in it and but now like so uh my friend zach who plays bass in angel dust uh he would stay the night in my house for something and as soon as he fell asleep i put the blanket over top of him and made sure i took pictures of him and stuff with it and stuck him into bed yeah yeah i'll be honest i have no clue where it is now but I definitely still have it. Yeah. And there's been a that, couple of times like my father-in-law has went to get a cup of coffee and grabbed that mug <laughs> and doesn't even realize it till he's drinking out of it. Yeah. Like the the hope is uh, that 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 blanket doesn't get unraveled and even if it gets <laughs> donated or like yeah. you know it you know it it will always be keeping someone warm. Yeah, I want it draped over my coffin when I die. Yeah, put an air tag on it. Make sure it like yeah. goes full circle for the rest of his <laughs> life. Right. Um, last one of the last kind of more like off-topic questions. Um, there's a photo of you that I found of you kind of like heart styling in front of like a tricked-out tricks car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about. It. Did you own said wheels, or did you thought no, it was just no, sick no. and and post it up? So the story behind that is we. I don't, I don't know if this is the uh, appropriate thing to call it, but I think this is what it's actually called. In Myrtle Beach every year on some like Labor Day weekend or something, they have Black Bike Week. Okay. Uh, and it's it's this huge, huge party, all these like crazy cars and bikes and stuff. And somehow 
my family ends up taking vacations there during that time. Uh, in that specific one, me and uh, me and one of my friends were there, and I remember we were standing on uh, the balcony of the ho- of our hotel room, and we're looking out at this parking garage, and there's these three guys that are like staring at us. Mm. So we're very like, we're gonna go fuck these guys up, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> we like we walk to the. We're pissed, you know what I mean? I don't know why we're so pissed. It just looks like they're fucking staring at us. So maybe, I think it was that he parked his car there. And it oh, looked like okay. they were like surrounding his car. So we're like, okay, we gotta go, we gotta go handle this, you know? So we walk over there and we get up to his car and there's nobody there. There was never anybody there. The people were vents. Oh. They were like these huge vents that, that looked like people. Right. <laughs> so we went from like a hundred, like, we're, we're gonna fucking kill them to we're retarded. You know what I mean? Like they're there. It's a vent, you know, am I going to punch this vent out of just, yeah, uh, just for the sake of it or. Yeah. So then we, we like walked down in this parking lot, just like filled with these cars. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to take a picture next to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when, when have you ever seen a tricks car, you know, with, with, with the first time for me. So. Wheels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> things were, they're huge down South though. Like you'd see them driving around and they'd be like frosted flakes, any kind of different cereal. Yeah. What cereal do you fuck with specifically? I don't, I, I'm not a milk guy, right? You're not a milk guy? No, I you so I'll drink like chocolate milk. I love ice cream. Ice cream is my thing, but like, so I don't, I typically don't eat cereal. So you can't do like the, the soup the breakfast soup essentially no not a soup guy either hate soup hmm. i don't know what it is and my wife can <laughs> insist on making Cam- soups Cam- like you- every week <laughs> if you ever see someone who looks like camden with like a bowl it's probably not him it's not me i'm not eating i'm not eating super cereal <laughs> interesting yeah I'm, I'm such a sucker for like some late night like nine o'clock carbs of just whatever cereal that we got and some some milk but not not you no no i'll take a whole half gallon to the face but of <laughs> ice cream but nah yeah, yeah not cereal interesting well um yeah the first time i've seen that tricks car and uh i just <laughs> this is the the deep lore and research that i try to to bring for for these interviews right um, right uh, so Camden, uh, obviously, you know, all the links for all the D block stuff will be in the show notes and description. Uh, the very last question that I ask everyone before we start to wrap up the show officially is a favorite mosh story that you would like to share. So that's anything mosh worthy that you feel, uh, is first to your head, whether it's wholesome, gruesome, something that you did or just happened to you. Um, that's how we start to end the show here. Okay. So I've actually like, uh, been stressing over this part, uh, <laughs> Only because, like, I, I'm i not going to say something that incriminates me. <laughs> right. Uh, That's the first and, layer of, of right. stress, always. <laughs> right. And, and as an older man, I only, I probably mosh to, like, three songs in the past five years, maybe. Uh, all of which were down for mine by Purgatory. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> But the only one that comes to mind that is, is somewhat wholesome and kind of funny that revolves around us as a band, and this is before we were a band, mm-hmm. our guitar player, Rich. Uh, so we used to have a fest that Critter from Annie Up used to book every year in Detroit called Motor City Fest. Right. It was always like uh, a big show for for them specifically. It was like 
always kind of like a party for them. Yeah. And so they had just wrote, I don't know if it was right when time came out or maybe right before that, but Rich played guitar at the band in the band at the time. And he was moshing for maybe it was enemy of God, I think, and just snapped his arm and had to get rushed to the hospital and couldn't finish the show. So that's all I like, could was think it of. Just loosey goosey or like... I just remember him holding it like this and running out. Oh, geez. So yeah, so he couldn't he couldn't play the show that night, and they had to get a fill in, fill in on the spot. Had, well, it, it was their old guitar player, so they played oh, older songs. I see. so yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. It doesn't incriminate anybody. It doesn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious on on people that come on the show. Like, what's more stressful, like the Bev that you're checking or the Mosh story that you're telling? Well, I'll be honest. Um, this is the second one I went through. Right, like the first one, I grabbed a bottle of cheer wine. And then I was mm-hmm. like, because I, because, you know, living eight years in North Carolina, cheer wine is like water down there. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, ah, that, that's probably, and then I'm like, no, like I, ha- I have to do Fago. Like yeah. it's, it's so Detroit that it, it's brainless. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Cheer wine's been uh, checked on the show before. So I appreciate, uh, and I appreciate the attention to detail. Some people just hop, like, I always don't give, any people grief about it it's more of the afterthought of like you couldn't have gone to like yeah. you know get a can of red bull and you're bringing right. tap water to the show so um but you know everyone's bev interest i i always have to check myself because like i'm a, i'm a fucking like nerd about this shit like i go to the grocery store and i see something i've never seen before and i don't care about what it is with the flavoring it's like more about like the the excitement and the curiosity of it but some people are like uh yeah i i'll I'll drink a diet coke i'm like i'm cool with that so (laughs) yeah um, i'm not a big soda guy i usually am just a water guy but mm -hmm. you know when in rome yeah (laughs) when in rome well it's a it's a it's a high compliment to say uh being on this podcast is the equivalent of uh being in in rome um (laughs) like i said cabinet all the links will be down below anything you want to plug shout out or uh send the people off with before we go um i not really uh support your local scene that's it and uh listen to uh, olivia rodrigo any pizza that's the one if you know her (laughs) send her my way dude I, I'm I'm waiting for that crossover to happen. <laughs> it, you know, so I don't know how much time you got left, but so the, I don't know if you know who Stress the White Boy is. He's uh, like a hip hop producer. Mm-hmm. He uh, he sent me the other day. He tech DM'd me asking for like the stems from the fixer. And Matt is on tour right now with Citizen, so I can't get him the stems. And he's like, "Why well, this program?" And he like pulled all the vocals off of it and made like a uh, a rap song with them. Oh, it's pre- okay. It's pretty fucking funny, uh, but it's cool. So are we gonna see that on a future D Block release potentially? I, I I have no clue, but that might be the bridge that gets us to Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, do a little sing- singing <laughs> on it. Who knows? Yeah, there it is, um, dude. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was really me. awesome to you know hear your story, and I hope that uh, you know I, I I know there's been uh, whispers and and different considerations for D Block coming through Western Canada, but I hope that that yes. happens sooner than later. Yeah, me too. It's definitely somewhere we want to go.